welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. And we're off. We're off. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, because that's the Gregorian rant intro. Well, we're recording in their space again, so... Uh, that is true. If Father Brian listened to this podcast, he'd get angry at us, but he's, he ne- he's never going to find out. Patrick Devenny might listen to this podcast. This is Jacob Machado. Father Sean Conroy, and coming this, to you live from yeah, the Gregorian rant studio. With Catholic stuff you should know. Let's go. <laughs> this is... Um, First one we've done together. Yeah, it's great the to be with guys. you. The new guys. This is a J22 initiative. That's right. July 12 22. years later. 12 um, years later. So I don't know if this is a coup, a reformation, uh, a revolt, but we are in charge. I'm going to go with the revolt. All right. Those old guys <laughs> suck. <laughs> Especially Father Mike Rapp. Father Mike Rapp. I've been living with Father Mike Rapp all summer, having some great chats. Uh, it's been fun. I've had him as a teacher, had him as uh, you know a friend kind of peripherally but uh living with somebody you get to know somebody better and uh yesterday we or for worse well or for worse but yesterday we after breakfast uh we just kind of jumped into a deep dive um kind of theological philosophical um debate and and conversation and all of a sudden it's like okay so that's how he at the end he's like it's nice seeing how your mind works and yeah uh, and and just, i don't think i've ever quite understood Matt, uh father mike's mind though it's, it's pretty pretty wild it dangerous is wild. place he has very vivid imagination, which I don't. <laughs> but I remember like being on the 30 day and stuff, the silent retreats throughout the seminary. And, you know, my spiritual director, would be like, he, he'd be like, just imagine it. Just take it to prayer and just like, think about it. Imagine it. I'm like, I don't know what to imagine. Like, I grew up with TV. I need it to be true. shown to me. It's like the SpongeBob episode. It's like, imagination. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Father yeah. John's going to kill me if, you, if he listens to this. Uh, yeah, SpongeBob is uh, anathema sit at uh, seminary, at least by the professors. So. As it should be. Um, not a very good use of your mental energies, probably. Definitely not. Well, um, when I was in seminary, we had a bunch of guys watching The Simpsons, and because they were just like, oh, it's enculturation. I'm like, this is not enculturation. Uh, this is not what people need to know what American <laughs> culture is like. Yeah, throwback to uh, me and Father Mike's previous episode on uh, engaging the culture doesn't mean you have to consume everything. Love in it. the culture. <laughs> I should listen to that episode because yeah. that's one of my like bi- biggest vices. I always want to... You know, I want to be relevant, man. I need to be relevant. I, I started a youth group here at Lord's. Shout out to my youth group. They're the best. But they say all these weird phrases and I'm like, what the heck does that mean? And they're Don't so cool. They like, there's this one on... Well, it, it doesn't matter. I probably shouldn't say it because it probably has... <laughs> it's probably inappropriate. But nevertheless, they, they're always saying these phrases. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but should I repeat it or should I not? And I usually just ignore it. Yeah. I got so. a, I got a big compliment. One of the, um, moms of, a the high schooler that went to the student conference with our group. And, uh, he was talking about the, the retreat and how it went and kind of talking about me and the other leader. And, and, uh, he told his mom, that's what we need in the church. More people like that that can uh, speak to us in our language. And I'm like, I didn't feel like I spoke in your language <laughs> at all, but yeah, I how's guess your Spanish I coming along. Me español está mejor. Mejor de qué? Mejor de... Well, not before last summer. I was in Mexico last summer, and it was actually better. Yeah. Um, Spanish is hard. It's... But uh, no, I had, a, I had a good chat. I had a, there was a gentleman from Venezuela who came in and had some questions about uh, marriage prep for a friend of his. Nice. And um, was able to kind of have that conversation uh, before your father, Jason, was in, uh, in a meeting. And so I had to kind of do the first interview and discussion and kind of give him some, some info and then pass him off to Father Jason. But 
the fact that I was able to do that and communicate was was pretty sweet. Where I get really lost is when there's like a group, yeah, and the conversation is just firing, you know, right. between three four people and just trying to track all of them gets totally. really hard. But completing well, people's sentences, one on one on one, I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah, that was me. I haven't used Spanish in a while though. Being at Our Lady of Lords here, we have uh, I think zero Hispanic people. Oh. <laughs> so. I was at uh, Denver Botanic Gardens a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was this uh, young woman who was there getting photos for a quinceanera, and um, they just kind of go all out on the photos and everything for quinceaneras and and the kinda, dresses, yes. and the dresses, and it's it's kind of wild. Um, but I, you know, sometimes sometimes there's a strong religious element, other times it's kind of tacit. Sometimes there's, now there's no religious element whatsoever, mm-hmm. and so I was just kind of walking by, and I, I saw her, and I was like. And she said, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, Feliz de Quince. And she's like, oh, gracias. And then I go, um, espero que Dios te bendiga, which is, <laughs> I, I hope that God will bless you, is what I said to her. And I'm like this short white guy with a backpack walking through Botanic Gardens, and I walk past him and say that. And I'm wearing my sunglasses, so they can't really like see my eyes, and I look over. Right. I'm guessing her mom and like aunt or something, and their jaws are just like dropped. Like This white guy <laughs> knows about quinceañeras, and just wish God blesses my daughter on her quinceanera. Yeah. <laughs> Dami and quince, as the show is. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's wild, but uh, it's fun to engage. Uh, Absolutely. Where, where you can. Yeah. I have yet to do a quinceanera, so I've been to one when I was a seminarian at a parish, but, yeah, we don't, we don't do those at Lourdes, yep. so Understandable. I don't have them. But don't have the community for it. But, well, welcome uh, back. You were on the Colorado Trail, huh? I was. Uh, listeners will have heard the... Episode from the trail with Father John, actually, Father Mike. Yeah, I actually listened um, to that episode because I was a little jealous, and I was super like, "Super brief." I was but, like, uh, "Shark teeth? What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> shark teeth?" <laughs> Did Father John not have the shark teeth? No, thing? no. Oh, so, so that happened so Jacob, between our. Yeah, Jacob went the section after me. I took twelve guys, and we met the four through hikers. So we had sixteen people on our section, section five, segments thirteen through seventeen, Mount Princeton to uh, Highway one fourteen. Anyways, I don't want to bore too many details because you guys already heard most of these stories. But nevertheless, I listened to that podcast. I'm like, wow, what did they, you know, what did you guys talk about? I was curious. What are shark teeth? Uh, yeah, well, it was, it was a fun episode. Um, kind of all over the place. We were tired, exhausted, and it was a short episode before going to bed. But I uh, wanted to, you know, just give a, at least a shout out from the, um, from the trail uh, kind of while we were doing it together. I think there's something cool about that. I had never been to bed so early. Oh, it was man. like... The sun hadn't even set yet. It was still like bright out. Yeah. And I was exhausted after taking like three naps <laughs> and then going to bed at like like 7 p.m. Was that when you got back from the trail or each day? No, during the trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, we got done with our first day. It was the 21-mile day. Mm-hmm. We did about 3,000 feet of elevation. Wow. And uh, It's a big day. We, we got into camp and I just didn't want to do anything. And we were waiting for mass and then we were going to do dinner afterwards. And people are like hanging out camp you know they're setting up camp some were fishing right um and i'm just like i'm gonna go lie down and i'm laying in my tent and they're like where's machado is he sleeping already is he already asleep and I was like, i'll wait till i hear the mass bells and uh, we'll, right. we'll come running yeah why wouldn't you be asleep so <laughs> so i got a good i think i did 45 minutes there and like another half hour after mass uh before the, before the conference oh the conference yeah. and then uh, had dinner and then went pretty much directly to bed that night so yep. Um, yeah, it was I, a hard trip. It was great. I'm really proud of my guys. So. I say I'm tired a lot during the uh, normal week, and that trail taught me that I was lying <laughs> very frequently. Right. I had a lot more in the tank than I thought. That's good. Um, you pushed through. 
I did most of the way. I turned turned one segment down, so I did three of the four that were planned. Gotcha. But, um, but it's still a great great time. Sorry, um, I was moving my mic. I hope you it'll guys probably did. be heard. Whatever. Sorry. Um, I don't know what else. What have you been uh, filling your your time when you're not working? What are you What are you filling your time with right now? Right now, um, that's a great question. Honestly, Parrish has been busy learning how to be a new priest, but I was just challenged by a good friend who said, he asked me, what are you reading? And I said, nothing. <laughs> and so he got, he got mad at me, a little fire under me. So the last two weeks, I've carved out three hours a week to do some reading, which has been great. Nice. And with... Um, a fiction or... No, I, I mean, I, I do read fiction time to time, but right now I need some intellectual... Con- uh, contemplation okay um i just haven't had that since being ordained um you know i think i've read one book since being ordained in 12 months which just isn't great it's probably better than some priests sadly uh but father trevor and i now we've committed to doing a book a month and right now we're reading the silence of saint thomas by joseph peeper which um i'm only about 20 pages in um so i started this week i started a couple days ago which um has been good the the first essay that people writes in that book is about St. Thomas's life, um, which has been really cool. Like I just didn't know kind of like he, he met uh, St. Bonaventure. He was in the same university with him as well as um, Albertus Manus, St. Albert the Great. Um, and there's just some really interesting things about his life. Yeah. You know, the, the, he was called the dumb ox, but it's because <laughs> he was silent. Yeah. Well, I, 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 we read that in our introduction to oh, Thomas class in philosophy, which is our, nice. there's kind of rolling electives in, in philosophy. So you don't know what you're going to get and it's not, um, universal. Or but, we had a different professor. Yeah, like, yeah. um, we read the compendium of theology in that class. Okay. Or maybe, you know what, it might have been our introduction to theology class. It was one of the two, but we, we definitely read that book. And I, it struck me because that silence, it's got a twofold. Mm-hmm. It's the silence of St. Thomas because he would just observe and, and he, wasn't, he was humble. Right. And so even though he was understanding everything, uh, he wouldn't you know, speak up. It wasn't like, hey, look, I'm best in the class. And uh, so they thought he was dumb because he wasn't speaking. Right. But then you also have the silence of St. Thomas at the end of his life when he goes much more into contemplative mode mm-hmm. uh, and is kind of even saying, like, man, even what I've written um, is is not is just straw compared, totally. compared to who God really is. And so... He almost burned all his books. This is, this is the, like, the model for theology. This is who the church offers us as a universal doctor to say, mm-hmm. what he has to say is good. You should study him. And he's saying, what I have to say is still not really, in the end, completely who God is. Which is not to say that we can't know anything about God. Right. Um, but the experience of God, the encounter with God, uh, is something even more um, than a theological system or philosophical system. Right. And if you're intimidated by St. Thomas, if you want to start reading him um, and you're not able to access him very well, I would recommend Joseph Pieper. Joseph Pieper is kind of... Um, he takes Thomas and makes it a little bit more accessible for yeah. maybe the non-academic, you could say. So I've been doing that. Uh, I've been doing a lot of hiking. Obviously, the Colorado Trail. I did a lot of training for that. I have eight 14ers left, so Ooh. I've been checking those off. I'm hoping to do two more this year, maybe three more, and then um, finish next summer with Father John. He has, I think, six left to celebrate Mass on top. Uh, he's already completed all of them, but yeah. wants to do Mass. So. That's the way I've been filling my time, other than the usual kind of parish duties. Yeah, I've been filling my time by uh, responding no to Father Sean's text. Do you want to go hike a 14er today? 
Uh, and Jacob's like, nope, I have uh, the Spanish <laughs> ministry at the parish. Um, so yeah, it's been good. But well, I've been uh, I've been filling my non-work time with uh, reading as well, but it's scientific reading. Nice. Because uh, I think it was about two weeks ago now, the Large Hadron Collider in CERN uh, fired for the third time um, to you know, create some collisions of proton particles and, and detect, you know, minute particle behavior. Um, and I was just got interested in how that even works, how they even measure that. Mm. So I was doing some uh, reading and some YouTube uh, online school about nice. that. And then the other really uh, exciting thing on the science front is the James Webb Space Telescope, Telescope yeah. uh, just released some of their first photos. Um, it's an infrared spectrum cameras. There's three mm-hmm. on it, and this is uh, out in orbit. Um, I can't remember how many. It's orbiting the sun. It's not even yeah, orbiting yeah, Earth, which is yeah. super cool. Uh, it's like something like 10,000, 11,000 kilometers or far. Uh, hundred thousand kilometers away from the earth it's crazy Who knows? so it's in it's in orbit in our solar system um orbiting well, the sun and yeah. it's so it's outside it's beyond where even hubble was and it's taking photos of the infrared spectrum mm-hmm. which is you know the the spectrum of light that we can't see with our eyes but kind of pierces through a lot of the the dust and particulate of the galaxies and the nebula so we're getting these really detailed um pictures of the the light sources throughout the galaxy or throughout the universe really and it's really really impressive imagery to just look at but then seeing what they're discovering and finding you know these these galaxies that were receiving the light from you know 300 million years after the big bang or something right Um, yeah it's it's super close to the big bang and so right because whenever you're whenever you're looking um kind of back or whenever these telescopes shots or images are taken, you're looking back in time because the way light travels. Um, so they're hoping they say they want to see the big bang if they look in the right spot, which I don't really know if that's possible, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're hunting it in a lot of different ways. Um, and can we observe it? Uh, can we receive, I, there's an interesting thing cause like we're expanding and are we expanding faster than the speed of light? Right. So could you ever, you know, if, if we are, then we'd never see it. And if we aren't, um, it's like, well then that moment has already passed us. Mm-hmm. The light has already, if we're, if we're slower, if we're expanding slower than the big bang, that light will have already passed us. So we're, we can only get so close. There's, there's gotta be a limit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I just love dabbling in this. I'm not a physicist or cosmologist, but it's fun to read about. Me um, neither. And, uh, yeah, I was father, um, father Spitzer, who mm-hmm. used to be the president of Gonzaga. He's right. a physicist and astronomer, and he's got a, a series just kind of on science and cosmology, um, where he makes the claim, you know, he's, he's arguing for the, the, you know, the symbiotic relationship between faith and reason that yeah. they're not opposed. They're actually, uh, speaking of the same truths um, and pointing to the same God. And um, so he talks about all, he gets into, you know, the Planck, Planck time and Planck distance, which is where, you know, time and space hadn't expanded yet. So we don't, after the Big Bang, you don't even have time yet. Right. Um, you know, milliseconds or whatever, more than that. I mean, we're talking infinitesimally small, uh, near infinity small sizes. Um, but, uh, you know, just seeing a priest engage with an understanding of, of the... Um, the science behind it, but then also kind of having the philosophy background to just say, you know, this mm. is this is why there actually has to be a beginning. Um, and I was watching that recently too. It's on uh, Formed, um, 
form.com or org, whichever. Org, the, yeah, form.org. Form.org. The Catholic uh, Netflix. <laughs> um, yes, that was, that was a good one too. So I, yeah, I like uh, dabbling in, in the sciences. It's, um, it's something to keep my mind sharp that's not, uh, not the same study, but kind of ends up feeding in. Um, and you can, you can see a lot of analogies or metaphors towards faith, uh, faith in it, which, which I love. Absolutely. Um, so well, this is great. I um I love this stuff too. I love I love um outer space and um astronomy and and even physics, but it's fascinating stuff and and just to go back a little bit um segue into our topic here, but uh we wanted <laughs> no, today we wanted banter to banter episode all the way through. It's funny because J22 initiative I used all to, banter. I hate the banter, but <laughs> But I have to, yeah, I don't know. I'm finding myself doing it more and more. So, by the way, I must say, like, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying being a host on this podcast now. I was definitely intimidated at first, but... Yeah, you um, didn't seem like you were super stoked. You're kind of like, oh, we'll see about it. Right. So, But Jacob yeah. over here, he was just like, oh, hell yeah. I mean, can I say that? <laughs> I mean, heck you yeah. You already said it, so all right, sorry. What is past is past. Quit scripsy, scripsy, as, as uh, Pilate said. Um but going back of just like, yeah, we're reading, like we want to learn things. We want to live a good life. We want to live an ordered life, we could say. And, and today we want to talk about living a rule. So in the companions, we have a rule of life, right? And we follow that rule. Think of uh, the different religious orders. They all have a rule of life. Why? So that they can follow something and ultimately follow the Lord. We live by rules. We live by laws. And not to say that we worship those laws and we get over-focused on them, but we need a rule of life. Uh, we need a plan of action. We need something to order our days, order our life to make us more free, right? We go through life and we just kind of spin all the time. We spin out of control. We have so much going on. And especially here living in the city, and if you live in a city as well, you can probably relate to this, but I just feel like we live such a fast paced life all the time. And my life is not super ordered, if I'm honest. You know, I'm, I'm just getting back into reading. Hopefully, it's getting a little bit more ordered, and hopefully, I can keep that momentum. But we live such pa- fast-paced life of, I have FOMO. I can't miss this event. I need to go to this next young adult event. I need to go to that parish. And then, but that's not my parish, so then I'll go back to this parish. Yeah, and, and I'd say sometimes it's not even FOMO. It's just like I feel um, almost this pressure or obligation. Um, I've, I've got to be at all these things. What will people mm. think? Oh, if, if I'm not showing up to this or that, or it's sometimes we, we create obligations that aren't actually there in our own mind. Right. Um, and then we're just zipping around one thing to the next. And we start a morning, a lack of peace, you know, you, know? you, you might start a morning with like a to-do list that has three or four things on it. And then all of a sudden you've been doing a bunch of different things because you've been responding to the immediate. And then you look back and like, I did, maybe half of one of my to-do lists today. Right. <laughs> you know, that happens. Right. And there's a discipline element there, but there's mm-hmm. also just, a, um, I think, a, a creating the space and the habit of, of not following the immediate per se. Mm. Um, yeah, I like that. Discipline is always important, but sometimes we can get focused on discipline is holiness yeah. and discipline well, is not holiness. And that's the self-help world right now. That's the, you Good know, point. everything's about being disciplined, being, you know, basically becoming master over yourself. That it's mm. a, it's a technique your body, your time, your management, it's all techne for some other goal, right? And that goal may or may not be good, may or may not be virtuous. So right. discipline itself isn't a virtue. Discipline aids us in our pursuit of virtue, and we need to be disciplined in our prayer, but you can be a disciplined thief. You can be a you know disciplined... Yeah, uh, <laughs> very true. You sound like Father Angel. I'm still stealing it straight from him. That's good. I shouldn't so, have said that. That's our secret. Well, but yeah. 
Um, Anything I say of value is has a seventy five percent chance of being from Father Angel's classes. So. What about the other twenty five percent? All from my mind. Brilliant. That's good. No, I thought you were going to say your mom there for a second. <laughs> well, probably that. <laughs> Mary Machado. Um, um, yeah. So I think this is the question of like, do we do we order our lives in such a way that we have a rule that we live by? We need a rule of life. It can't just be. Uh, I just fly by the seat of my pants all the time. Or maybe you are super disciplined. Do you have a rule of life that allows you to grow closer to the Lord? Yeah, and are you actually growing more free? Or do you become a slave to something else? You know, I could be super disciplined in my athletic events, but that becomes dominant and ruling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and does that is that starting to take away from my vocation or mm-hmm. something else? Um, Absolutely. And I could be super disciplined on the bike and not study a lick. Uh, what am I actually being called to do right now? Mm. Um, study, not ride my bike. That's not a reason why I'm not riding my bike. I'm not riding my bike right now because I'm lazy <laughs> sure. and I'm still sore from the Colorado Trail. But <laughs> me too. But we can make excuses and we can all like put noble, almost noble obstacles uh, from from the true end uh, that we're looking for. But I think I want to roll back even more. You said you know following law and and kind of um, freedom, Rules, you know, to yeah. make us more free. We don't have a good understanding of law or freedom. Mm. You know, we we think of freedom as just the will to will, um, not what we're willing, uh, not in dialogue with truth, mm-hmm. but just the will to will. Um, that's freedom. And that's that's not true. Um, Survey Pinkares uh, puts the idea of freedom for excellence out there. Uh, and the freedom, he gives the example of uh, somebody, um, I think I talked about this with Father John somewhere, so I won't go too long, but the, the idea of mastering a, a language or an instrument, you have to follow rules mm. to become free to be able to create in that language or that instrument. Um, and then the law, then, is not an oppression, not something that you know we get from kind of the modern contemporary uh, philosophies of, of law as social contract. Law is actually something that... Um, orders and gives life and is something to be meditated on Mm. the old testament the righteous man meditates upon the law Mm. meditates upon the torah the psalm one talks about the the just man will meditate upon the law of the lord Mm. he will rest by the stream of the lord Um, he will put his roots like a tree to drink from that water so this law isn't something that um it gives life it gives growth it's not something that's restrictive Mm. whereas we think of it as a contract of like okay i've got to restrict my freedom with these laws so that societally we can get together whereas in the end you know the law that god reveals to us is a law for our flourishing absolutely we do flourish under that and and this is one of the main reasons why I want to talk about this is because um, if we don't live by a rule, how do we have anyone challenge us? How do we ever grow? In the sense of one of the things that attracted me to the companions was we have a rule that we commit to, our rule of life. And in that rule of life, we have our statutes and then we have our decisions that we've made and different things like this. And it's freeing because we commit to praying a holy hour together every day at least if you live in household together, but everyone prays a holy hour every day. When I struggle with my holy hour, or um, like yesterday morning when I walked in late and Father Brian is just looking at me like, um, where have you been? I'm like, <laughs> I didn't wake up on time because I was up too late or, or whatever. You know, he didn't say that, but it's just, it's good accountability. If I don't live by a rule of life where I say I commit to praying a holy hour every day, what's going to prevent me from falling away? 
because when I live by that rule, when I, when I promise to live this rule of life, which we do in the uh, companions every year, we make an annual commitment to it. If I'm not doing it, my brothers are going to say, Hey, you need to go back to the promises that you made. Mm -hmm. Are you living this rule? Are you praying your daily holy hour? Are you celebrating mass every day? Are you, um, you know, whenever we purchase something for over $250, we have to get permission. Have you been following that? Or do, do you... We, do we have to get permission if it's installments of $249.99? That's the problem is that <laughs> so there's we're a, always looking for loopholes. But, but, but there's, yes, a spirit, there's a spirit too. And there's a there's an image of uh, just being in the light. And, and that accountability isn't like a domineering or in fear, but like a, hey, I know I was seen. So now I feel like I want to offer my brothers an explanation of why I wasn't at Holy Hour or... Or beforehand, um, kind of ask a permission slash just let them know, like, hey, not feeling great, not going to make it, whatever it might be. Um, we can fall into the trap of, of like, with text messaging. Mm -hmm. You can, like, be signed up for something now, and then an hour before be like, oh, sorry, not going to make it. And it's like, that's not really, um, <laughs> that's not, not really great. Um, but just being in dialogue is, is a big part of that. And, and the rule... Um, being something outside of yourself helps a lot too. Exactly. Because if it's yep. just in me, I'm going to change that with the whims of my desires, my uh, my mental acuity, my tiredness, my whatever is going to. If I'm hungry, I'm going to want a different rule. You know, whatever it might right. be. Um, or we or we we compromise, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, like I used to pray in seminary. There was a time where we prayed holy hour in the evening from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Or you still do that once a week with uh, Lexio, mm -hmm. Lexio Divina once a week, um, which we would always grow, uh, joke, instead of Lexio Divina, it's Napsio Divina because you're so tired at 5 p.m. And so you always make compromises of like, okay, I'll show up slightly late because I can you know, take a nap real quick or, um, oh, I'm hungry right now, let me get a snack in and then I'll go pray. But then you wind up cutting your holy hour to like a holy 45 minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, 20 minutes, mm -hmm. which really turns into like 10 because the other 10 you're praying liturgy of the hours or whatever. Um, so we need that objective thing outside of ourself to push back against. That way when someone says, how are you living? You can say, well, here's my measure. And yeah. again, this isn't like a law to say, uh, to restrict us. It's to say, if you follow this, you'll actually be more free, more mm -hmm. free to flourish. Yeah. I think um, for for me too, it's it's kind of when you create your own rule per se and, and it just remains in you and there's no kind of brotherhood or sisterhood or just community in it um it really usually goes the way of like a new year's resolution mm -hmm. it's there for like a week and then for a thousand different reasons it's like, i can't do that anymore i gotta change that i'm gonna do this or or you get frustrated because you're unable to do it and you just kind of give up. You're like, man, I can never do it, so I'm going to be done. But when you do it in a communal setting, um, the brothers and sisters around you are able to help you when you're struggling, but are also that check of this is more than just in my mind. This isn't just a, a self-help problem. You know, it's I'm, I'm actually trying to enter into this rule. But the big part about the rule, too, what I think we don't often do is um, meditate upon the rule, mm -hmm. to think back on the rule, to pray on the rule. I was terrible at this. I got the book, uh, The Companion's Rule of Life, um, last year, and I got through maybe a third of it during the year. And it wasn't until Companion's Boot Camp yeah. that I really kind of went through all of 
the rule. Which, which the reason why that's kind of funny, right? Is because the rule is thirty-three paragraphs. It's not paragraphs. It's not pages. It's yeah. paragraphs. You could, if you do a paragraph a day, you go through the rule once a month. Right. <laughs> it's not hard, um, but w- I, I hadn't committed to entering into meditating on the rule or letting the rule become part of my kind of spirituality. Right. Um, and I, it's just hard because. Um, if it's just something that I kind of assent to once, I'm going to forget a lot of it. If it's just something that kind of gets passed down in strictly the oral tradition, uh, it's going to have the flavor of when Father Sean talks to me about obedience or when Father Brian talks to me about poverty or when Father John talks to me about uh, studiosity or something. Um, it's going to have their character to it, which is good, but it's also not what was written. And so going back to you know this common agreed upon rule um, and letting it speak to me uh, is important and it's just like with the scriptures um, we need to revisit and revisit and so this rule transforms us over time because we revisit it not so much because it's like I put it up on the wall I looked at it once and now it's like I'm living by the rule but I've actually not let it begin to seep in and and form me from the inside one of the objections that's often given there though is the rule of life is not divine revelation. So why should I follow it? Like, as you said, this is just a bunch of dudes that got together and wrote the rule. And I think that is a fair objection of like, is this divine revelation? No, it's not. So why should I follow it? Mm-hmm. That's not the right question. The question that needs to be asked is, is this binding? Yeah. Do you want to be bound by, again, a law outside yourself? To actually set you free, you know, yeah. to, and to even, go back. even in the sense of like human freedom to, to choose something, I am free to choose to re-up it or not. So what am I, what am I doing if I'm saying I want part of this community, whatever community it may be, but I don't want to live their rule? Like, right. do you really want their community? Right. You know, and so that the whole binding versus not, and uh, it's just it's kind of like a false dichotomy. Um, where it's it, it's just not it's not honest, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's not divine revelation. But it's steeped with scripture, um, mm-hmm. allusions or references directly, um, and so it's it's flowing from uh, the church's understanding of the priesthood and our understanding of the priesthood and common life and Christian life through scripture, um, and then we're assenting to that as something above and beyond. You know, obviously the first rule is is going to be you know Ten Commandments, Beatitudes go and make disciples of all nations, you know, things that Christ said, that's your rule. Mm-hmm. And we need to be living that as Christians and trying to be living that more and more. But since the beginning of Christianity, um, you know, St. Benedict writes his rule of the monks mm. to order so that they may continue to reflect on it. And they read the rule and they read scripture and they prayed the liturgy of the hours and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's it's this assenting into it, you know. And right. once I'm into it, now I'm going to reflect back on it and let it be something uh, that in the Christian community has come out of naturally as a charism to help me in my way as a Christian. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point. Like, what does rule even mean? It's not necessarily rule as in like law. Rule is the Latin regula, which is like a regulation, which is like a, a ruler. Think of a ruler. Like we need something to measure up against. Are we following this? And it orders your life, as you just mentioned. It's a it's an order. It's a rule, but then it straightens our life. Yeah. That's what a rule ruler does. It, it draws a straight line. This straightens out our life. This makes it um, good. And so, 
one of the images when I, whenever I think about this that comes to mind is, um, I don't know if you've ever been to like the Midwest or to a very, very, well, I guess the Midwest isn't necessarily flat, but to a very, very flat place. <laughs> I went to school in Ohio. I've driven through the flat places, yes. Um, now, I've never been to North Dakota, but one of the priests up there, one of my classmates, Father, Father Ben Franchuk, he once said, uh, Eastern North Dakota is the only place he's been where if you're standing and looking at telephone poles, you can start to see the curvature of the earth. It's so flat up there that you look out on the plane and you start to see the telephone poles like get shorter and kind of curve because of the curvature of the earth, which I don't know. That's what he said. I've never been there, but that's hard <laughs> for me to believe. But the way I think about this, the rule is we need telephone poles. So our life is kind of like those telephone wires and they dip down in between the poles. We need our um, kind of pillars throughout the day to boost us back up. So we kind of, you know, um, we, we swoop down and then we go back up when we have that pillar. Uh, we swoop down and we go back up. That's what I think a, a rule of life is so helpful with. Helpful with. And seminary does this extremely well because it's built into your schedule. Every morning you wake up, what do you have? The first pillar, you have holy hour. Mm-hmm. Things kind of go downhill because you're not praying in class. You should be praying in class, but I never did, right? <laughs> and then you go to uh, mass, you know, so you have that pillar again. And then you have, you know, whatever it is, evening prayer or whatever. Now, this isn't going to be the rule of life for everyone out there. For those who are listening, it's like, what is my rule of life? What are those, those pillars? What are those telephone poles that I need throughout my day? Maybe it's 15 minutes in the morning. Maybe I need to pray, pray the Angelus at noon. Maybe I should pray daytime prayer. Just take, you know, 10 minutes of silence. I don't know. But what are your telephone poles? You need your telephone poles. You need your rule of life. You can't live it on your own, as Jacob said. Uh, it's like a New Year's resolution. If you just commit to it by yourself, you're never going to do it. Find a group of friends. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your husband or wife. But find a community and say, hey, let's commit to this. And when we're struggling, we say, do we commit to this? Is this an objective rule that binds us? And how can we support one another to live it? And uh, sorry, I'm going long here. So just one last thing. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. This is, again, why I'm attracted to the companions. Because it's like, I'm weak. I can't do this on my own. And to have brothers to say, yeah, I'm going to pray holy hour with you. Yeah, I'm going to celebrate mass with you. Time for evening prayer? Let's pray evening prayer together. Do we do that every day? No. But we strive to have those telephone poles throughout the day so that we we keep each other accountable, we support each other, and hopefully we can grow in holiness together in that. Yeah. And I think uh, another thing to mention is temperamentally, um, we all kind of have seemingly natural um, inclinations that that differ. Uh, And so I am way more um, kind of curious uh, by by nature. And so it's very easy for me when I'm studying to get off on some tangent that isn't actually what I should be studying at the time. Um, might be good, might be really interesting, but it's like, hey, you've got a paper due. <laughs> That's what you'd be working on. Um, so I need, you know, I need a little more help um, regulating my life than somebody who just kind of on a very natural level has the virtues or the temperament to live a more structured and ordered life. Um, and it doesn't make it more virtuous or less because somebody um, kind of more naturally does it or kind of has to suffer in the in the rule. Uh, I suffer rules more than some. Um, right. Some guys love the structure and the rule of seminary. Other guys, me, uh, really struggle with it at times because like, I want to go do this other thing right now. And and so there's nope. like a... There's like a um, mortification of self that happens there but there's an invitation to sanctity for for everybody and um just as you know 
the the person who might be super regulated um you know needs to learn how to bend a little bit with uh you know um things coming to mess up the plan mm-hmm. um and and realize i think there's there's a great gift of like um acknowledging an obedience that i assent to a rule and i'm going to live it and i'm going to mortify myself because i want to go do something that's more intriguing to me right now but yeah. i assented to this rule i'm going to go that's a mortification um but then when i assent to obedience uh in a community and then a brother comes and asks me something that messes up my plan I can be obedient to him, and that actually sanctifies me as well, to then go and say, yes, yes, brother, I'll help you with that, or I'll take care of that. Yeah. Uh, it's going to mess up my plan, but I'm not going to make him feel the, <laughs> the rage of, oh, you messed up my plan. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, yes, brother, I'll go do that. And so both of those sides uh, get to be mortified by this community together. Um, and yeah, again, we're talking about this from, from a very uh, seminary religious standpoint, priestly yeah. standpoint, because that's what we're doing. But I think it falls into marriage. But, I mean, but yeah, that's where I was going. Do you want to speak on that? Well, uh, you're probably going to go better, but um, <laughs> the uh, just the, the relationship between a husband and wife, there's obedience there, and there's obedience to each other. Yep. Um, and there's a humbleness to, to serve the other, to die for the other, and uh, but living a common rule. I mean, I not being married, I can't imagine how hard it would be to live day to day if I don't have at least some common goal. Um, <laughs> it's like, what, what's going on here? Yep. A lot of fighting. So I don't know if you've, you've, you've been doing more marriage ministry than me, but for now, you'll, <laughs> you'll have your turn. I'm sure. Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I was, what is what I was going to say is that there's still an, an obedience to the other in marriage. And what are those things that you want to commit to in obedience to each other? You know, so if it's again, I know couples who pray morning prayer together, but if you don't like liturgy of the hours, that's fine. Like, what can you do in the morning? What can you do in the evening together? Don't just go to mass each Sunday and then pray a meal blessing. Yeah, You need to pray together as a family. You need to do something together. Don't just do the bare minimum. Pray together out loud. I remember going to one family's house that every night before uh, they, they serve dinner and then as they're doing the meal blessing, they each tell their, you know, their, their, the father goes, okay, what was the best thing that happened today? And what was the worst thing that happened today? Right. The rose and the thorn is another way to phrase that. Um, another family's house I went to once, uh, during the prayer, they all went around the table and said one thing they're grateful for, for the day. I think there's ways to pray together as a family. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be obedient to that in the sense of like, commit to it. Don't just let it be for one week. Mm-hmm. Let this be a rule that inspires you, a rule that you live by that, if you're failing, you know, your little son who's five years old can say, mommy, like, why aren't we doing this anymore? This is an objective rule that we commit to that's outside of ourselves. Um, so anyways, I'm repeating. Yeah, myself, I like but. the idea of, uh, of kind of a family rule and an individual rule. You can have, you can have a rule for your kind of yourself on your own individual spiritual growth. And then you can have a rule for your marriage and then you can have a rule for your family with your children involved too. And they can be kind of three. You're obviously going towards seeking sanctity. You're seeking heaven. Um, but it's kind of three tiers of that. And yeah. so uh, my aunt and uncle committed um, when they got married that one of them was going to go to daily mass. Mm. It wasn't like, hey, we all need to go. We both need to go. Sometimes they'd go together, but, you know, for, and I don't know if they're still, you know, to the same commitment, but I, you know, I talked to my aunt that, you know, with few exceptions, one of them was going to daily mass. Yeah. Um, and the other would, you know, take care of getting the kids up and 
fed and whatever. That's awesome. Um, and they'd kind of trade off. And But every day one of them was going to be going. And that was a discussion. And it wasn't always, you know, every other day. Sometimes it was like a week or whatever. You know, there's reasons. Um, but that was kind of like a rule of their marriage yeah. that was good for both of them individually, but was a rule for their marriage that they did as a team, um, which I think is, is a nice way to look at it too. Yeah, awesome. If, if you're wondering where to look um, for like what, what's a good rule of life, Opus Dei, this is kind of their thing. They do um, kind of the daily plan of life is what they call it. And they do it for lay people as well as priests. I found that to be really helpful. Um, I don't live by it completely only because obviously we have our own rule in the companions that I commit to. But if you're looking to kind of where to start, what to do, I don't know where to find that, but maybe just Google like plan of life, Opus Dei, or probably just Google like plan of life. I'm sure things would come up. Yeah, something that's super interesting too is um, we we feel like societally we're we're creating new things, but we're rarely reinvent or we're often reinventing the wheel. We're not really creating something new, and so mindfulness is a thing out there. This daily mindfulness is just like all the rage in yeah, meditation, in, yoga, in business gurus, or self help books. It's all mindfulness, 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 and it's like. I don't have a problem with mindfulness, but mindfulness to what end? You know, it's like discipline to what end? And the thing is, the church, you know, we, we talk about how the church is so out of touch or out. It's like, no, literally the rule of life is mindfulness. The rule of life is how am I going to live today and every day? And what do I do the first thing in the morning? Bring to mind my rule so that I can now order my day in light of my rule. So the rule of Benedict, the companion's rule, the you know, Dominican rule, whatever the rule might be, if you're living it well, you're praying over it often. You're reflecting on it. It's kind of always there. You're chewing on it uh, as kind of in the background so that then you make decisions in light of it. Mm. But if you're never mindful of the rule, the rule means nothing. Right. And so this whole mindfulness is just like setting up your first day. The first thing you do, you think about what am I going to do today? What do I, you know, what are my goals? What are, what are my deepest values type of thing? That's the, the kind of vocabulary they often use. And that's not bad. And that's not bad at all. But it's like, it's been in the Christian tradition. We might have forgotten it. We might have practiced it terribly. And that's why it's being picked up, you know, in other places. And it's not that it hasn't been found in other traditions at times. Um, but it's there, you know, and it's it's not really new. Um, yeah. and, and we have the tradition of, of mindfully reflecting upon meditating on the law of God. I mean, that's the first, the Psalms, the Torah, you know, of Israel, this meditation, yeah, this chewing on the night. word. Um, when I walk, when I stand, when I sit, when I rise, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to talk in the mic there. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. I think, um, yeah, it's so important. So commit to a, commit to some sort of plan of life. Commit to doing something and do it with others. You're not going to do it on your own. Um, you might have really good bit discipline. You, 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 maybe you can do it on your own, but it's not going to be efficacious in the sense if you're yeah. doing it with others. And maybe God's given you a huge gift of discipline, share that with others, you know, help others to overcome maybe some laziness or some, some vices that are there. Um, yeah. And remember this is ordered towards charity, towards love, towards the, the relationship of the father, son, and Holy spirit, towards the Holy spirit living in you, dwelling in you, um, that charity in you, the charity of God, uh, just as, you know, we read, you know, if it's, if you build, uh, without charity or if you go to bed early or rise, you know, uh, later, you know, earlier, go to bed later, rise earlier. Um, if you don't build with the Lord, your building is in vain or, yeah. um, you know, the, the goal is char- charity and yeah. without love, you're just a resounding gong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our goal. It's not 
it's not a self-help project. It's not a self-mastery, self-perfection. Um, this order of life, this rule of life, is to, as brothers or as a family, approach God and enter into a deeper relationship of, of love. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you, Sean. It's good to be with you. Yeah. Got any shout-outs this week? I have many, but uh, the one that's most on my mind right now are uh, Terry and Susan Selner-Wright. Susan Selner-Wright and Terry Wright. Uh, They are two philosophy professors at our seminary, and they, last night, Dr. Susan Selner-Wright gave uh, the talk at our gathering at the Grotto. And so I'm just super grateful for them. They've really taught me to love philosophy, love academics, especially Susan, who is my academic advisor in philosophy. And (laughs) she's super motherly, super caring, super, super kind. Um, She's doing a lot of work with uh, person and identity, person and identity, uh, just talking about transgenderism. And um, yeah, she's doing a lot of good work there. Um, But anyways, she's uh, she gave a great talk last night, and uh, they're they're super generous parishioners, and we're just super grateful for them. So shout out to them. I don't know if they still listen to Catholic stuff, but um, <laughs> now that they're, uh, we're well, I guess for you guys. all of all of the guys on have been students of theirs. So yeah, they've probably gotten uh, shout outs before. So yeah, they're probably like, man, I've taught them better than that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I want to shout out Father Michael uh, from the Fresno Diocese. I met him at the beginning of the summer at the amazing parish conference. Um, he came up and introduced himself. He said he was a big fan of banter. So we gave him about 15 minutes of it today. Good to know. So, uh, Father Michael. And then um, another one, just uh, I, I recently watched a documentary on uh, Sister Claire. Sister Claire Crockett from Ireland. From Ireland, from Derry, Ireland. And uh, so from Northern Ireland, um, you know, the war torn era, uh, she became a sister uh, with the religious order in Spain, and she ended up going down to South America on mission and um, with, with her order. Mm-hmm. And uh, she ended up dying in an earthquake um, back in 2013, 12, is pretty recent. Yep. Um, but this, yeah. this kind of documentary shared her life, and from kind of being an a Irish uh, aspiring actress, um, kind of a, a party-goer, drinker, movie star, uh, movie star type, to entering... Um, this religious order and just growing in faith and uh, growing in the charism of the order and, and the rule of the order. She was a great model of obedience. Um, she went where she was asked. She served her sisters. And so I watched that. Um, shout out to her, hopefully. Uh, hopefully she's up us. in heaven praying for us. But uh, Wait, also, time out, time out, time out. You get to give two shout outs and you don't let me give two shout outs? Yeah, of course. So can I add a second one now? Well, I just want to say, if you want to watch that documentary, it is on form.org, uh, Catholic Netflix, if you want. Uh, I, it really touched me. I've, I've seen a young, a young woman really give her all. Um, it was convicting while also kind of consoling for me and my own vocation. So that documentary, I think, came out in 2020. And mm-hmm. my friend sent it to me, Derry Lynn. And uh, I watched it. It's on YouTube as well. It's called All or Nothing. Um, because... Uh, that's who she was. She was either all in or not in at all, and, and she was completely all in. Um, alone in Christ alone was one of her mottos. That was what was said at her vows. Anyways, I, I, we, could, we should podcast about this at <laughs> yeah. time. Shout out, because she's a part of the religious order Home of the Mother, Ogar, yes, Ogar de la Madre, which is out of Spain, but they are in Florida as well, mm-hmm. in St. Augustine Diocese, which I have two friends there who actually met Sister Claire Crockett, Father Mac Hill and Father David Keegan. So shout out to those guys and to Sister Claire Crockett as well. Uh, yeah. Pray for us in the, in the 
way or in the capacity that you're able to pray for us. Yes, awesome. Well, you got a uh, second mini episode during shoutouts, so uh, sorry about that. But uh, so this has been Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Email us, tweet us, Instagram us, whatever we're on. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Peace. Bye. <laughs>